Advisors are hungry for help strengthening their client relationships, and they're often frustrated by the tools available. It's not often an innovative software solution comes along that could really turn a part of the industry on its ear. But we're going to talk about one that could do just that for financial planning, client onboarding, and even asset gathering. All that and a whole lot more on this episode of Wealth Management Today. This episode of Wealth Management Today is brought to you by Ezra Group Consulting. Broker-dealers are under tremendous pressure to retain and attract new advisors, and their technology ecosystem is a key part. Ezra Group Consulting is your go-to source for building the next generation of advisor and client experiences that will supercharge your firm's growth, increase user satisfaction, and reduce operating costs. If you're a broker-dealer and you want to leapfrog your competition, contact Ezra Group today for a free one-hour consultation and 10% off your first strategic planning project. Go to ezragroup.co, that's E-Z-R-A-G-R-O-U-P.co for more information. Welcome to Planet Wealth Tech. This is your host, Craig Eskowitz. I'm a strategy consultant focusing on wealth management solutions, both business and technology, as well as the surrounding fintech space. Each week here on the Wealth Management Today podcast, I speak with people who are at the cutting edge of technology and pushing the envelope to bring us new products and new ideas that can help your firm stay one step ahead of the competition. On today's episode, I spoke with industry veteran and software innovator Adam Holt, CEO of AssetMap. I've really been looking forward to this conversation ever since I got Adam on my calendar. We talk about a lot of things, cover a lot of ground, and you're going to learn not only a bit about what makes AssetMap such a special tool, but some industry trends around holistic advice and a few tips for leveraging software like this in an advisor's practice. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the wonderful world of wealth tech. This is the Wealth Management Today podcast, and I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz. And today, I'm excited to have Adam Holt, the CEO of AssetMath. Hey, Adam. Hello, Craig. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, we were just together at the Morningstar conference last week. So right. just yesterday, we were coming. talking about the exact same stuff, right? Very true. Very true. It was a good conference. Uh, and then we were at the Carson Group Elite uh, Excel conference. Yeah. It was Conference was City last week. Great crowd. Chicago was, uh, was taking a lot of our money. Uh, and <laughs> great people all around. So uh, we managed to fit it all in. Um, I liked your booth at the Carson Group conference. Yeah, we had a we had actually an amazing uh, amount. Of, we actually hit a record in terms of advisors, predominantly in the RIA space, independent space, planning, actually uh, express interest, well over 50 firms. So I think we, we took the cake in terms of people spending the most time there, seeing how we're doing things differently. So it's, uh, it was fun to finally see eyes open and people get excited about what we're doing differently uh, than our peers in the space. Well, I've always been a big fan. Um, the Asimap product, and I, I've seen it in, in action, and uh, a bunch of my clients use it, both large and small. So um, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it and some of the trends you're seeing. But I guess we, we have to start off with a little overview. So um, yeah, I know what it is, and I love the product, and I advise people to go take a look at it. But what, what exactly is Asimap, and, and what makes it different from other uh, similar tools? Sure. 
Well, you know, it's kind of funny, Craig. So I've been an advisor for over 20 years. And I think like all tech that really works in the field, it's attempting to solve a problem based upon necessity, right? Most of us in the in the financial services space have gotten pretty comfortable with the, the heavy planning tools. In fact, most of us started with pretty much a yellow pad and a financial calculator. So we really understand, I think, the math behind a lot of the present future values, especially planning as it relates to not only the aspirational goals like retirement, education, funding, but also debt repayment, uh, loss of life scenarios, kind of the, the protections as well. Uh, so many years ago, uh, I kind of I came from an artistic background, architecture, uh, and I went to some of my high net worth clients. And the biggest challenge with them was not getting into the details of the plan numerically. It was talking about the structure, legally, ownership, tax structure of all the decisions they had made, because their real question was, are they doing the right thing? Um, and so we had to bring in expertise. We had to kind of focus on our financial planning background. And what we started doing is, in our firm, we started creating visualizations of this current structure of their financial resources. Not only their assets, but their insurance policies and their trusts and their business interests, their debts, obligations to family members that were never on a balance sheet, as well as the people that were involved, uh, right? Charities, special needs, trusts, um, other business partners, anyone who had some kind of financial dependency. So AFTAMAP came together primarily as a way to communicate all of the different financial decisions that a household is addressing so that the financial professional can spend more of their time conversationally talking about what changes and what questions we need to ask in order to put them in a better condition. So, you know, you fast forward to today, AssetMap is actually a SaaS platform, software as a service platform for financial professionals and firms to create custom visualizations of their clients regardless of complexity and be able to catalog that information and instantly be able to create a standardized graphic that can be used in the field with our clients to really drive a meeting. Throughout the years, we've had to add on feature functionality that advisors have asked for, serving now, I guess, well over 3,700 advisors now around the world. We've had to install uh, elements uh, such as uh, needs-based analysis, right? quick one-page analysis on whether you're funded for major goals in order to get to a two-page report. It could include a balance sheet if you want a policy summary. So I think, you know, to kind of encapsulate that whole thing, Craig, um, really we're focusing on the client engagement level. We're not trying to do financial planning or CRM or portfolio management. We're trying to do almost meeting management, meeting experience between the advisor and the customer. Right. But you have, you have integrations with the central planning tool. That's so why you just announced the integration with MoneyGay Pro. So... Title advisors who are MoneyGate Pro users or Emon users integrate asset map into that process. Well, these are both great tools, and of course, they're they're staples for many of us in the in the practice. If you're doing some kind of planning, you probably have installed a financial planning uh, tool of some measure. If you're not using Excel, and so very often, a lot of advisors will have a good amount of data in those platforms. So we are have built and or released or are building integrations with the major. Uh, financial planning companies to visualize the data that you have in them uh, without having to rekey that. We've also created integrations with both portfolio management, if your data is there for managing portfolios, with uh, Riskalyze on the risk side, as well as some others coming in, of course, CRMs for the human component. And I, it's, it's interesting because there's really, there's really three ways that you can get data into any system, right? You can interview your client and you can get that information, which I think many advisors still do today. 
And we do that, I think, very well. We've gotten down that client building of an asset map down to 15 to 20 minutes. So it's not onerous. Um, but the second way I think is really critical to get data into a system like this is to allow the customer to do it if they want. In other words, can you send a link to a customer that would they would be able to open their iPhone, put in some data, let's say before a meeting, and you could build an entire asset map for that first meeting. So we enable that through a discovery tool we created. And then the third way, as you already mentioned, is integrations, right? And I think the fastest growing space for all of us in FinTech is to make sure that you know, nobody's doing double entry, not the least of which is we can't afford errors on these types of um, these tools, not from a compliance standpoint, but also just from a, a user experience standpoint. Um, we None of us have enough time to, to manage this. So integrations is really critical for us uh, in terms of making, getting the data into ASMAP, but also revealing the special sauce behind some of those integrations inside of yeah. our meeting environment. One thing I was interested in when we were, when we were at the uh, Carson conference, the Excel conference, we were talking to an advisor just passing by who happened to be your customers. And, you know, things that they were saying were how, how helpful it was and, and to their to their practice. So, uh, you know, when I look at it, I think it's, I really like the visualization, how I can see everything on one page, especially things like insurance. But what are advisors saying that they like most about the product and how, how does it help their practice? Yeah. That's a good question. There's really two things that we're seeing, and we've been doing this for now over 10 years. We, we didn't really make it available for, for other advisors, um, but for the last, we'll say, three or four years. And so the growth that we've seen is almost entirely vital, kind of word of mouth. The, 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 the number one comment we get back in our testimonial log is that, that it's the, the customers are saying to the advisors, thank you. This is the thing that I've always been at, I've been wanting from you, but I didn't know how to ask for it. The irony, Craig, is that asset map on its face to most advisors does not always seem obvious as to what the value proposition is. It's not until you actually show it to the consumer, who's typically used to seeing your statements and your large planning reports and doesn't open them or read them and basically asks you, what do they mean? That they finally say, hey, thank you. You've given me something that I can actually take home and talk with my family about that represents my life. Because literally, it's, a, it's almost like a treasure map. It's where all your stuff is buried. And that's easy to converse about, both in the meeting as well as home after the fact. So I would say that the number one value proposition has been it's a consumable deliverable for the customer that they really appreciate and is branded for the advisor. The interesting thing about that is that when, when advisors tend to talk about the structure of a household and tend to take and zoom out Stop talking about performance and fees, and instead talk about legal structure, intent, um, the why you have certain instruments. Right? What you realize is that a lot of people's financial inventory is mostly haphazard, right? Because when you think about it, most of our financial resources are from either our employer, our past employers, the government, uh, a legacy advisor relationship, usually your cousin when you were, you know, first got into business and your cousin or your brother or the guy in the golf clubs, you know, sold you something. And we keep these things as legacy instruments and we never really address them. I tend to call it your financial closet or your financial inventory. It's not until you literally pull this stuff out of that closet and dump it all on the bed that you get a real insight is to say, wait, this doesn't fit anymore. Um, so I think like what skeletons it, in their closet? Yeah, you see skeletons, you find uh, ghosts. You find stuff that doesn't fit, right? And what's, what's some of the things? What's the, what's the, the yeah. not, not the craziest thing? I'm not sure. But what's the most surprising thing that someone found 
in their financial closet that they didn't expect when they went through the process. Well, it's probably the advisor found some, the advisor was surprised that the client never told them. Um, the most typical thing is uh, advisors think that they manage 100% of the wallet share or at least know where it all is, either because they're reliant on aggregation uh, or they just think that the client has told them. I can't even tell you, Craig, how often advisors have called us up and said, I just uncovered half a million dollars, a million dollars that my client didn't tell me about that's been languishing along in some account that's not getting paid attention to. The reason they didn't discuss it is because they either decided it wasn't relevant for that advisor, right? That's not their line of business, or they just didn't want to talk about it, or it was a kind of legacy decision they weren't proud of. Um, but you know, nine times out of 10, it gives the advisor a better window into what the real wallet share is, but also gives them an opportunity to actually fix it in many cases. So consolidation of assets has been one of the, the leading value propositions of what we're doing, because if I can just clean up the closet, sometimes that's more valuable than any kind of uh, investment strategy I can talk about. Just let's simplify this whole mess. I like how you called it a treasure map. I do call it a treasure map sometimes. I mean, to the right, to the right community, to, to an advisor, it's a, it's a treasure map um, because it shows where all the buried treasure is. And then you can see, boy, some of this is not actually buried very well <laughs> or it's not protected or it's not in the right, right place. Um, and by the way, families tend to not know where usually you find that one person's in charge of finances, right? In, mm -hmm. in many of our own households, there tends to be one lead person in charge and they put stuff everywhere. They know where it is. It's in their head. You know, we've seen plenty of situations where other family members have to step in, children or otherwise, in tough situations. They don't know where anything is. So they never went through the process of actually cataloging it. Mm -hmm. But a map, they will do, right? They'll do it if it's easy. Right. You know, if I was looking for an advisor, I'd want to see the list of advisors who are using your product. Because I want that. You know, I try to yeah. make it by hand. It's really tough. I'm glad you got software to do it. Well, it's, as you know, it's not just it's not just making it the first time. It's semi keeping it up to date, right? I mean, because if you don't, you know, getting it together once, if you don't have an opportunity to talk to somebody about it, you would be surprised how many things you'll leave out. So there's a there's an interesting thing that happens, Craig, when you reveal the asset map to someone else, right? It's like showing you my goals list. If I keep it to myself. I might keep myself honest, but if I show it to someone else, now I have no choice have to address the things that are clearly right. not serving me. Um, and that's and that's really what we think advisors, the mandate for advisors is more than anything. But with all the tech looking the same and all the customer experience looking the same and the portals and everything, I think the real indication of value for the client over the next several years is going to be the relationship and the insight that an advisor can deliver. We call it advisor intelligence as opposed to artificial mm -hmm. intelligence. Apply advisor intelligence to my situation in real time, and boy, you'll be—you'll have my loyalty for years. Um, and that's where I think advisors really are going to make a difference. It's not going to be on the tech side. Exactly. When you've got, as you said, almost four thousand seats or advisors using mm -hmm. the product, and six hundred and fifty firms. So, is there some data you can share? Trends you're seeing? That you know, the data you must be, must be a tremendous amount of data that you've got yeah. to catalog. There is a good amount of data. You know, right now, uh, Asset Map so far has cataloged about four hundred billion dollars in resources. That's across that's across insurances, assets, uh, liabilities, income sources, um, and about uh, I want to say it was about two hundred thousand. Well, that's about three hundred thousand households. Um, and so, what's interesting about that is that if you kind of look at some averages, 
you start to see some interesting data. And one of the things that we picked up recently in a study that we were doing was that the average household income on our platform is about $130,000 per year. The average assets was about 900000 That includes, um, it was actually almost a million dollars. That includes real estate as well, with debts on average about 140000 So Typically, when you think about a profile for a household like this, oh, and their insurances were around $400,000 of life insurance on average. Interestingly enough, even with that measure, you could probably say that most of those households are clearly underinsured relative to income protection. They, uh, the average asset uh, wallet share in that scenario was about 12%. So these are advisors who, who are really involved and engaged with relatively mid-high net worth clients. Um, and the, still the wallet share is relatively low. And I think that was a big surprise for us because we, have, we tend to have financial planning, RIA, um, planning-minded advisors, and still uh, there's so much opportunity yet to cross-engage and to protect families that is not, uh, that's not being done. So that's interesting. So 12% wallet share. I hear a lot of statistics. I don't really hear a lot on wallet shares. So is that... Uh, low, or is that an average? Do you think most advisors, I mean, there's 300,000 advisors in the US, and I'll try a wide range from wirehouse to small RIAs. So is 12% yeah. a number that you think is an average, or is it low or high, higher than, 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 than a well, so advisor? Yeah, so 12% in general would probably be low for a financial advisory firm. Um, recognize also, though, asset mapping that statistic is not is cataloging all assets, which would include real estate, 401ks, and let's say illiquid assets that might be business interests or otherwise in cash typically, which 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 advisors tend not to manage. Um, so it is it's giving a disproportionate argument that all of the assets are actually available for management. But if you just look at the investable uh, dollars, that number runs of about 35, 40 percent. Right, so investable assets that non uh, non employer sponsored, uh, non business, non real estate, and so okay. that's kind of interesting. Um, what I think is really really more indicative is that there are still a good number of individuals who have a lot of illiquid assets and or assets that are going to be eligible to be managed by an advisor. One of the one of the interesting things, as especially this this population continues to age, we all know that the baby boomer population is going to force a massive wealth transfer, either through distribution to pay for their retirement or in estates as legacy assets. And so you think about there's so much opportunity, not the least of which is on the insurance side, but also with um, how much of that wealth is still available for an advisor to potentially help work with um, that, that is really not normally considered, right? Even if you were to manage 80, 90% of the wallet share, it still doesn't address the fact that there may be two times that actually in assets that are going to be turning over in the next 20 years. And so that's, that's really why I think the industry itself is an unbelievable opportunity to, to grow well beyond even where it is today um, because the numbers, I think, are actually undercounting what the potential is. Well, so that's, that's interesting. Your software, in the process, now you have a checklist of the process for advisors. Is capturing assets that other uh, advisors don't normally capture when it comes to real estate and illiquid assets. So that's that's artificially depressing the wallet share, but it's also increasing the amount of future transfer that they should be aware of. 
That's exactly right. Exactly right. So how does uh, yeah, that I help advisors? So mm-hmm. what, what advisors do with that information when they say, hey, well, that's, we, we, we see all these illiquid assets, how does that help them in their planning process? Well, I think, you know, if you look at what the customer really wants and needs, and I would say even arguably expects from the advisor, is that advisors are bringing insight and ideas to the table that they didn't know to ask about. I mean, it's no different than going to a physician, right? If I if I knew what the what the problem was, I don't think I would go to the physician. I might just Google it. But the challenge is that when you when you have an advisor, especially one on retainer, where you perceive that you have an advocate, an advisor, the expectation is that they're looking out for your best interest, even if they don't manage those resources. I think that's the that's the big difference about a mindset of planning an independent space, um, and so. Very often, we find advisors are spending an inordinate amount of their time talking about the money they manage or the policies that they place, and they're not talking about the other elements, uh, tax, legal, structure, um, trust, legacy, as often as they should or could be. And when you force them to do it by putting an asset map in front of them at every meeting, you actually say, not only are we talking about the whole the whole picture, but everything's on the table. And it allows an advisor to see when something's out of place. Because you can imagine, and I think asset map is very much like an x-ray. It's not intended to tell you what's good or bad. It's just telling you the facts. A skilled advisor can look at this at an an asset map and can see how assets are clustered in the wrong place, how they've been left at old employers, how they should be in trust clearly based upon this household, Versus, you know, left willy-nilly in, in one person thing. So so I think it's, it's what asked about is the x-ray and the advisor is the radiologist. Very good. That's it. That's right. And then ideally the radiologist sees things and brings ideas and maybe even other expertise to the table to diagnose not only problems but opportunities to leave, it in, to leave that family in a better situation, right? Not even just focus on the, the malady but also the wellness opportunity to, hey, say, have you thought about this structure? Why don't we consider moving money off this balance sheet? Or perhaps it's time to think about a gifting strategy or et cetera, et cetera. Or we should probably insure this because this obligation has gotten quite large. Um, and so that context, the clients don't tend to come into this, to the, the conversation saying, you know, tell me where to invest my money only. They have an expectation that's greater, which I think comes back to the bigger standard of care of being holistic and and acting in the best interest. I want to take a little break from this episode to talk to you about one of my favorite sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. Invest in Others is a nonprofit. You can find them at investinothers.org. And they look to raise money and give out awards to charities that are sponsored by financial advisors. So it's financial advisors, uh, favorite charities, charities that they spend a lot of time supporting. So Invest in Others looks to get sponsorships from the industry and funnel that money to advisors' favorite charities. I really like this this charity uh, and this nonprofit. I think you should take a look at it. Again, investinothers.org. They've got a couple other programs. One is a Grants for Good program. Uh, Again, delivering money to different needy organizations and needy groups. They're also starting a corporate awards program, which is going to be a little bit different, but still within the industry. Uh, another way for financial services, uh, wealth management corporations to help uh, donate money to people in need. So I really like Invest in Others. I think you should take a look at it. 
invest in others. Let me spell this for you. I-N-V-E-S-T-I-N-O-T-H-E-R-S dot O-R-G. You mentioned earlier about how advisors are getting away from talking about performance and talking more about legal structure and financial inventory. But that seems to be something that more advisors need to be doing, especially as robo-advisors become more popular and asset management uh, becomes more of a commodity, whereas advisors are trying to sell baskets of UPS and that they can they, they can pick the market. So does, do you see your 3,700 advisors doing more uh, financial planning-focused practices and less investment management practices? I, you know, it's interesting. We don't always have insight as to what our advisors are actually, um, where their business is. Uh, we tend to see a good amount of wealth management-minded advisors pick up Asimov because they're critically focusing on the fact-finding process, which is essential for all financial advice. And I have to understand the facts before I give you advice. And so they're already doing this in some measure. And Asimov is just a regurgitation visually of that. What I think is interesting about that, Craig, we are seeing a good amount of investment advisors start to cross-pollinate insurance placement. Right? They're actually fixing more insurance problems because they just see it. It's just in front of you. You got to, you can't ignore it, right? And you're seeing those advisors who tend to lead with estate planning or legacy planning, also all of a sudden now seeing opportunities to manage assets that they were probably ignoring or really didn't focus on. Um, so we're starting to, we're, what we're calling the kind of wealth management effect is the, is the, the goal of advisors to start helping in more areas, not just a specific area, or bringing a team. And I think that's been the impact we've seen and now cataloged for the last several years, significant increases in productivity in the placement of uh, new insurance as well as uh, AUM as a result of using Asimov. We now have pretty strong statistics at scale that show that mm-hmm. advisors are making more money using the product. As Do you have any, as numbers you could, any numbers you can share along that line? Sure. I mean, I, there is um, our largest enterprise today with over 1,000 users has now given us back three-year numbers that uh, indicate that they're, that the advisors using Asimov are making 30% more revenue than those that are not using it. And, that's, and we have that now cataloged over the last three years. 2018, they did 29.8% more than everyone else who's not using. There's 1,000 that are using, 1,000 that are not. Um, and that's a pretty strong indication. We've been had positive in all lines of business for the last three years um, with them. So, so it's really been you great one for client. Them. You have one client with a thousand users. We have one. Yes, that's right. We have one client, with a, and that actually the, the, the numbers I just gave you uh, indicate um, actually what we would call developing advisors, advisors who are starting out in the business in those first four years alone. So the hardest part of our business, I think, is those first early years of being an advisor. Very challenging, um, and because those advisors are earning so much more revenue. Clearly, it affects their retention and their ability to stay in the business, which I think is one of the bigger challenges in the in the in the industry. How do you get somebody to survive those early years to become an established advisor? Um, so we're really excited about these numbers. We just got them back um, from that one enterprise, um, but we're also seeing that actually in some of our small units as well. The difference between that group, of course, Craig, is that that's a, a large enterprise tracks numbers at scale. Um, most independent advisors can sometimes mm-hmm. barely tell you what they're making. Um, they just know it's positive, uh, sure. hopefully, and it's covering their expenses. So large organizations have these resources to, to tell you who's making what and when they come and go. So 
so this large client, as you mentioned, I, I think I was talking over you. I apologize. A thousand clients, a thousand advisors are using asset map, and a thousand aren't. That's right. So how fast do you expect those thousands who aren't to start signing up? You know what's interesting? They actually all have it. All 2,000 have been provided it uh, at the cost of the enterprise. But I think typical to all, to all enterprise delivery of technology, as we've seen, large organizations will provide a software that works or a tool or a process that works at no cost to advisors. And big surprise, a good number of them won't even open it up. And I think that's a product of a, of, of a couple of things. Number one, it's just there are some advisors out there that literally just want to stay in Excel and they want to do their own thing and they don't, don't trust anything else. Despite the fact that people around them are, are, product, are productive, I think it's always about, it's about messaging and, and awareness. And even with a community like that, you still find it challenging sometimes to get people to do the basics. No different than going to the gym, right? We all know we can do a, we can do a better job being healthy, but we don't go, even if the gym is free. And so... I would love for you to explain it to me why that's happening. <laughs> well, I, I go to the gym all the time. Adam. I'm always oh, well, there you go. Exactly. Well, Maybe I have no experience with that. But why don't Maybe. people use the technology they have? Right? And isn't that a, isn't that? Well, I see question? that all the time. I mean, I, I, right. We have we have mutual clients, and we see them have very low penetration on certain tools. They just don't want to use it. But it's uh, you know something we talk about a lot is is, is that for marketing, the internal marketing of firms is bad. That they'll pay for products. And don't do a very good job explaining to their advisors who are their employees sometimes, or their their uh, at least their their clients in a way, if they're an independent broker dealer, why this is good for them. They don't really do a very good job marketing or communicating mm-hmm. to them about these tools and technologies and processes and procedures that they have, uh, and how that implementing these will improve your business, make it uh, not only make you more efficient, but also make your business more valuable. Yeah, you look at, look at United Capital, right? Why is yeah. it worth, why is it Goldman buying United Capital? Because it's paying so much money because he's got a process. And it's, it's repeatable. And his business is set up that way. They can turn it over somewhere else and it'll still run the same way. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. Yeah, getting people to do what they know has is, is always been challenging in anything. I can't tell you how much, I've, I've been speaking a good amount recently about finding micro-innovation. In many ways, AssetMap was a micro-innovation in a firm that had the ability to scale be impactful in other people's practices, and that's why it's kind of grown to the way it has. Um, but there's so much opportunity for uh, for innovation, even in our own space, which I think is really critical. But the, the challenge, it doesn't have to be massive, right? We typically see large organizations try to solve a really big problem and throw millions of dollars at it because they think they're going to, you know, they're going to find the silver bullet. And then, lo and behold, they can't implement it because culture doesn't align or, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's no integration or some of these other things or the training is really poor. And the reality is, is that a lot of the problems that I think at least the industry has has actually been solved. I think that the solutions are actually buried inside of firms that have already solved this problem through workarounds or Excel or a process or a workflow or a positioning um, it's just a matter of getting that and bubbling it up to scale. And that's the, that's the challenge. I think our industry really has to figure out a way to incentivize that kind of innovation and not try to stifle it. Many, many moons ago, when I was trying to do asset map you know, 10 years ago, it took me two years to get a compliance approved, let alone anyone to say, yes, you're allowed to use it. Now it's impacting you know, millions of people. And, and it took what? It took 10 years. 
And it was only because I kept pushing and pushing and self-funding it and saying, no, this is going to work. We just don't know. Um, so, you know, I think that that's an unfortunate you know, product in the situation of, of, of the regulatory as well as the fact that I think the industry doesn't want to change. Now things are starting to change, right, Greg? I mean, we've got fintech uh, innovation unlike any ever before, but I don't think even large organizations know how to actually execute it. I'm sure. What do you think of the subscription model? Uh, Schwab came out with the subscription-based pricing for financial planning. Do you see that as being a trend that's going to pick up or more advisors are going to start being forced into that model? And how does that change the way advice is delivered? I think it's interesting. I, I love seeing innovation like this, um, especially when it follows a model of something people are already comfortable with. Right? Many of us are comfortable in our own personal lives with subscriptions. In fact, we probably consume them uh, much faster because they're easier and affordable. But I think you've got to provide an outlet that looks like other things people are already comfortable with. And I think the days of just charging to manage money on its own without planning value is numbered, uh, will probably be reserved for the highest net worth for complex investment strategies. Um, I think the financial planning is finally starting to get into its own and you're going to see multiple models. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you started seeing, um, you know, funding success models, right? What, what if you paid your advisor based upon how funded you were for your retirement goals, as opposed to, how low your assets hmm. did in performance. Because I think we're, be we're getting, and right, it'd just be different, but it, it aligns the incentive, right? I, what, an, what an individual wants from their advisor is, uh, I want to know that I'm protected. I want to know that I'm doing the right thing. Um, I measure my savings not only in performance, but also in, let's say, reduction in taxes or reduction in legal costs. Um, so can you find a way for me to align what I really care about with your compensation. And if you deliver that, fantastic. I'm happy to give you a piece because you're saving it for me. You're finding that. That's, I think that would be really, I think the hedge funds came close to you know, doing this performance-based compensation. But I think we should, we should find a way to actually participate in the, in the negative in some way, right? We don't do. Well, well nobody wants to do that. Like, Of course, nobody, nobody, nobody wants to admit it. But you want to make a lot of downside. No, I'm not saying the downside of negative performance. I'm saying the downside of not actually delivering on, I think, what are reasonable expectations, right? I don't know how that looks, but I'm just, I'm just saying that nah, maybe we strike that, right? Because, I don't know, as an offline, Craig, maybe we right. won't go there. <laughs> maybe. That's fine. So regarding going back to what you're talking about with micro-innovation, are there any other interesting features and functionality you guys are working on that you're going to be coming out with soon? Yeah, sure. We actually, um, because AssetMap is used in meetings uh, with clients, the fun part about it is that if you're using a large screen or even paper or remote meeting environments uh, like screen sharing, uh, getting, getting clients and advisors to literally look at the same diagram and say, yes, this blueprint or this x-ray or this asset map actually is right and allow them to ask questions has been really great. Um, what the requests we've been getting back for is, you know what, we're talking about this specific financial instrument and we now just, can you now just click a button and say, hey, now show the risk on it. So we actually enabled Riskalyze to actually put the risk score number right on top of an individual instrument in AssetMap. And Orion recently delivered the ability to put performance right on the asset map. So think about oh, um, cool. looking, at your, looking at your closet 
your, let's say, let's say we did California closets for all your financial assets and we put it on one screen and you clicked on, you know, your sweater and you would see, you know, the details of that sweater, right? In the financial terms, you'd see the risk, you'd see the performance, you'd see the holdings, and then you'd be able to close that. And now let's talk about the closet again, instead of getting stuck in the details. Recently, mm -hmm. um, we uh, were about to deliver an innovation uh, on notes because advisors said, I want to put a little note to remind me to talk about that. It's not in my CRM. I'll lose it. I'll never see it again. But in the meeting, I want to make sure we bring up a certain comp, uh, topic. You click on the person, and literally they have uh, a note right there. It tells them what to do. In fact, you can even embed hyperlinks that'll take you to wherever you want to go right from that person. Uh, it's almost like a soft integration to virtually any website in the planet. So there's some really interesting things we've done there. We've done multiple currencies, multiple languages now in Asset Map. Totally works cross-culturally. We're about to release a cash flow module to show the funding levels and where you basically run out of money and how many distributions need to make be made throughout the year. I'm sorry, what um, did you then, say? The, what, what model are you at? Are you coming out with? Well, the last one I just mentioned was a cash flow model. Oh, which, cash flow uh, model. Yeah. So, so how yeah, does cash flow? So, is, is that like a cash flow model you see in money, or it's something more basic? No, no. It's yeah. I would. It's actually. We actually didn't want to build something that was already done in any planning tool. We, we actually focused many years ago on the real core need of the client. And if you've heard any theme from me, Craig, it's I only want what the customer really values for my meeting experience. Everything else is for the advisor and for their confidence and hopefully their competence. Right? But what I'm really trying to communicate is, are we okay? Where is everything? And are we on track for major goals in the least number of pages as possible so that we can keep a conversation and talk about what we're going to actually do? The key to that was we delivered the asset map, but then we had to build a module that was called target maps, which basically told you how funded you are for major goals. Those are the basics, retirement, education, loss of life, disability, long-term care, and anything you can think of on custom down to the deck. Tell me how much capital you need to spend, and I'll tell you, whether we're on track based on some very minor assumptions. Because I don't think that most clients actually want to go through the planning process. That's just what we call it, financial planning. What they want to know is, are they funded for major goals? So we used a math model that focused on how funded are you? And if you're not fully funded to meet this expected cash flow, how much are you funded? And what specifically do you need to do right now in order to fund it at 100%? Okay, so as an example, if you told me you wanted to retire with X dollars at this date and pay off this debt and do all these fun things, you could basically, I could basically tell you, based on your asset map, you're X funded, you're 70% funded, and you need to save $1,359 a month for the next 30 years. That's what the client wants to know. How much should they save or how much capital do I need to come up with? Over the years, um, we deliver that literally in a one-page compliant approved experience. So you could focus more on, well, how, how are we going to do that, Craig? Over the years, clients kept saying to us advisors, uh, can I just see where I run out of money when I run out of money, like a traditional planning model. And so we just were about to release this module, which could be turned on or off if you're already using planning tools. Again, we call it, we call it funding because we want to focus on how funded are you and what do you got to do about it as opposed to getting stuck in, you know, I, you know, you run out of money at 82 based upon this Monte Carlo. We, we think that that's better served for in the financial planning tools, not in the engagement tools. Right. Yeah. Plus, you wouldn't want to do it twice, and they've already got it. No. I, I, but you know what's funny about that? So, of the, of the advisors using our tools, 
80% of them will use the target maps as a quick calculator to see what they want to prioritize, right? Because if I can get my presentation layer down to two pages... What do you mean prioritize? Well, if you could, I, if I ran those modules for you, if you built an asset map with me in 10, 15 minutes, we talked about it, discussed what was right, what needed to be fixed. But then I just literally ran all of those target maps, life, disability, retirement, everything, all by one click. And I just ran basically what your peers look like. Maybe I customized it. I could then sort them and say, okay, which ones are we going to prioritize? And now I'm keeping a live, constantly tracked uh, model of where whether we're funded for major goals because it's constantly updating. And so I can instantly look at any client and I can see where their priorities are and where they're underfunded. Right? And I know, I know what we need to talk about, right? Because that's the key for advisors to spend more of their time in revenue producing activity by thinking about mm -hmm. how do I add value. Right. Right. Do you so mention peers? Can I track mm -hmm. what my peers are spending or my peers' debt across all Vasimac, all Vasimac customers? Well, we actually originally started doing that. We started actually revealing, you know, what would the average person have who's like me, right? How much insurance would they have? How much assets would they have? The problem was that our data was all based on people in the system. And so it was, it was biased towards families that obviously had more than others because they were people that were engaging because they had the need of advice. So it was, I think it was unfortunately miscommunicating. Uh, and also think about it this way, Craig. If I told you that the average uh, person of your age in our system, because that's where our data comes from, has $250,000 of income, you are going to either feel like that's a lot more than you or it's a lot less than you. And there's no way to actually manage the behavioral component of that, right? It's the same thing with insurance or assets or what houses, right? You're measuring yourself against the wrong yardstick. So we actually removed that and we said, you know what? It's more important to tell my, our customers what are the kinds of vehicles their peers have? For example, let's say a baby boomer, the kinds of tools that their peers might have are maybe a pension, maybe an annuity. Uh, they'd have maybe a second home. They might have a 401k. They might have some long-term care insurance. Um, we can overlay those, what we call stencils, on top of anyone's asset map. So, for example, if I was meeting with a client, I have their asset map. I know where all their stuff is. I'm going to overlay what a boomer has typical boomer on top of them. And instantly I have placeholders at $1 that tells them that their peers have these things or have addressed it. Now we can talk about whether they make sense for you, but it's great to start conversations around what the Joneses are doing without talking about what the Joneses value actually is. Right. That's, that's what I meant. That, that's what I think is really cool that you can show that because that's mm -hmm. something that's very valuable that you can, that you can put, put the, the client's holistic, financial picture into focus and comparison against where they sit against other peers who are very similar people who are going to a financial advisor or have a different proclivity to organization and getting their lives in their financial lives in order than those who don't. So mm -hmm. it is a pretty, a pretty, uh, it should be a homogeneous or somewhat homogeneous uh, uh, population. So showing me the, the peers across that would be very useful. Yeah. But the good thing about it is we, we learned actually behaviorally when, when I, when I show you on your map other things that people like you have considered or things that I think you should consider because I know your situation, when it's on your map, it's literally like me going to your closet at home and putting a hanger on there. And on that hanger is not a piece of clothing, but it's a note for something that needs to be filled. 
right? It's, it's you're missing sweaters or you're missing dress shirts, right? Or, you know what I'm saying? Oh, right. So it's in your face all the time. And, and there's mm-hmm. something that happens behaviorally when you look at your own map and you see gaps. I'm sorry, gaps are actually outlined for you. This is a gap. You actually want to fix it or you want to resolve it or say, I'm not buying it, throw mm-hmm. that out because it causes clutter. So um, it's, a, it's really key for advisors who don't want to be in the sales mode all the time, right? Which I have to convince mm-hmm. the client to do this. I have to convince them. It's better, better to say, I left this cookie on your, on your asset mm-hmm. map as a placeholder because we have to address it. Now, do you want me to remove it or do you want to address it? <laughs> and you'd be, you'd be surprised, especially when you get a spouse and a, and a partner in a, in a room with you. They don't, they're more accountable, right? They, they tend to say, well, let's address it finally. Let's just resolve it. Um, as opposed to just kicking the can down the road. That's awesome. I, mean, I, can, I can see that from all the demos I've seen of your product. I can imagine those, uh, a client seeing it for the first time and really just having their eyes open, light bulb going off over their head about how things are all hooked together. And so they're changing their, you know, they have their pre-asset map financial life and the post-asset map financial life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's been a fun process to be part of. To see these things now over 10 years, some of our clients at our, our firm, you know, it's evolved quite a bit, and we keep all the historical asset maps to bring them out every once in a while, saying, "Look where we've where we've come from," um, and not not make the talk about performance, right? Let's talk about remember the structure back then. This is how this tough thing it looks. Look how robust it is today. Pretty interesting. Yeah, that's great, Adam. I really appreciate you spending time with me on the podcast here, talking about asset map and industry, and thanks for sharing some of your data. It was it was fascinating. I really enjoyed it. No, my pleasure, Craig. And thanks for everything you're doing in our industry and helping all of us uh, grow and learn more. Oh, thank you, Adam. This is the part of the podcast where the guests thank me. And you, you, you walk right into that. Thank you so much. I mean, I didn't even have to prompt you. Absolutely. You, Adam. you can learn more about AssetMap from their website at assetmap.com. That's A-S-S-E-T dash. Don't forget the dash. ASSET-MAP.com. You can reach out to CEO Adam Holt on LinkedIn or find him at one of the many vendor or custodian conferences he attends. That's where I find him. I couldn't pull this podcast together without the help of the Wealth Management Today production team, digital content manager Holly Muth, and audio producer Miles Carter. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. Check out our past episodes on our blog at wmtoday.com.